Bibles and like to turn there. We're in James chapter five. That's where we are. We're almost to the end. We we just have one more um, in James after today. This is our second to last, and and today we're talking about prayer. I'm excited to talk about prayer because it's such a big part of the Christian life, and there are many kinds of prayer. Right? I mean, when I was in seminary, we were to pray an hour a day, and we went through a little book that had different aspects of prayer, things like confession and and uh, intercession, meditative prayer watchful prayer and waiting prayer and all these different kinds of prayer that we can do. I remember Paul says, pray without ceasing. Jesus says we should always pray and never lose heart. And I I don't know, I always sort of feel like I don't pray enough if you say pray without ceasing. But I want to talk today and focus in on a particular kind of prayer, intercessory prayer, prayer that we have for each other. Because I think that this is what James is talking about here in our text. And we'd like to consider our text this morning. You know, the Lord does heal people. He uses prayer. He heals people directly, right? Sometimes. That's part of my testimony. I think I've seen it. I was a physician before I was a pastor. And I've told this story before, but it's part of my testimony that when I was in medical school and this little Korean girl... um, had been on a balcony, it was two, three stories up, and she'd fallen, and she fell on her head. And instead of everything breaking, what she did was break her brain. Inside, she got this hematoma inside, and she went into a coma. And she went to the hospital, and she's there. And we took all her vital signs. We thought the herniation had started to happen, and so we went in to talk to the family about taking her off the life support she was on. And the family, all the family were gathered around and had been praying all night for this little girl. And she woke up. That's amazing. I think the Lord did that. I think he did. And, and I think he does those sorts of things. And 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 you see it, the Holy Spirit. You, wow, it's amazing. It's a miracle. God can do that. But I actually think this is a big stumbling block for many of us because by definition, a miracle is what? Unusual. It is unusual. Let me give you another example. I was a physician and came in, and a man came in who was the pastor of a local church in town. He was a charismatic church and really neat man. I liked him a lot. He came in because he was having slurred speech, and then we did a study of his head, and he had a very aggressive brain tumor. And, boy, that man knew exactly what to do. He didn't want treatment. He wanted prayer. And so they had all-night prayer meetings at his church, and they prayed over him, and they were with him. And, And he came in several weeks later, and they did another scan, and it was gone on the scan. It was. We didn't see anything, but actually what had happened is the the tumor had spread out so much that we couldn't see it on the scan. And he came in and six months later he died. He didn't get healed. Well, you know, I've got a dad who's really sick. I just got to go see him. I'd love for him to get healed. I pray for him a lot. It doesn't happen. So the question becomes, why doesn't it happen? And actually it becomes something that's a little discouraging. We might even stop praying for people in certain ways. We might think, well, maybe I just don't have enough faith. Maybe I'm not doing it rightly. 
And so what starts to come into our thinking is that I, I believe that prayer heals, but it doesn't happen with me all the time. And so what, how do I think of it? And, and actually what I start to do is just sort of like, ah, it, it works sometimes. And it's not an encouragement to my faith. It's not something you walk around. My goal for you today is that you would walk away from the scriptures excitedly praying for people and excitedly getting prayed for and built up in your faith. And I think it's in our text. I think what we do is we put wrong focuses on things. I'd like to show you, this is one of the passages where people do this. It's from James. I want you, again, two things. I want you to get prayed for. I want you to. I want you to run to get prayed for. And I want you to pray for other people. And I want you to see it's in the Bible. And I want you to be excited about it. So let's take a look at James. We'll look first at getting prayed for. Why should we get prayed for? Why? Why should my dad get prayed for when he hasn't gotten well? James chapter 5. Pick it up in verse 13. That's where we were last time. We're going to pick it up and redo these verses and think about them in light of prayer. So here we go. Verse 13 of chapter 5. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone (coughs) cheerful? Let him sing praise. Okay. If you're hurting, ask the one who can help for help, right? If you're suffering, prayer, man, God's the one who has all the power and ability. Pray. Show that you're hurting. And then if you're cheerful, sing songs. And we talked about last week about the importance of transparency. If you're joyful, thank him with praise. But then there's this, verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Wow. It's often taken... This way, let me kind of walk it through with you, paraphrase how this is often taken. If you're sick, like with cancer, some physical problem, diabetes, call the elders. They can rub on special oil. It's usually what people have used is sort of extra virgin olive oil, maybe with some spices infused or extra prayers of rabbis or something like that. And then if you have enough faith, then healing will happen. I mean, the prayer of faith will save the sick. Sickness can be overcome. Sin can be forgiven through faithful prayer by church leaders or other really faithful people. There's some truth in this, right? Isn't there? You consider it with me. There's some truth in this. Some sickness is caused by sin. You know, you're so guilty and you're so knowing or, or the consequences of sin or these things happen to you and sometimes it's what you've done. And, and so there's some connection there possibly in some cases. And, and then and then we, I just gave you an example. There are people who are saved through prayer. I gave you my personal example, but I've heard lots and lots of stories. I'm sure you have too. And, and they, they are true stories, I think. I have no cause to doubt them. But you see the problem, don't you? You see the problem? You see the problem that you would say, okay, I'm going to pray, and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. And then so you pray, and nothing 
happens. Well, we got the wrong church leaders, obviously. Well, we used the wrong oil, obviously. We just haven't have enough people pray. People go down these routes. I mean, my, my, to some degree, I, I think of my dad, who again, who has a, a debilitating disease, that he's had literally thousands of people pray for him in Africa. All the church leaders that came and laid hands on him. All the people praying for him. And then he doesn't get well. There's actually some problems from the Bible with my what I just told you. What? Well, think about it. Well, let me give you this. This is interesting. Here's 2 Timothy chapter 4. Erastus, this is Paul writing, Erastus remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill at Miletus. Paul, why did you leave behind someone who was ill? Get a little oil, put it on his head, and pray for him, and it will heal him. Right? I mean, if that's what you think, if, if that's what you think James is talking about, then, then, then you think, what is Paul doing, leaving behind someone who's sick? It's like taking the power guy and taking him away. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul says, I was sick unto death. And he doesn't talk about getting prayed for. He's just like, on the mercy of the Lord, I didn't die. So I I want us to look again for a minute. Look again with me at this. Look again a little bit more closely. And this is meant to encourage us not to poke at our presuppositions, but to really think. Encourage you to pray. Is anyone among you sick? That word sick is translating a particular word in Greek that can be translated sick. But it's wide enough that it's often translated another way. Often. Often like uh, at least half the time. It's often translated weak. Weak, you know, like feeble. Faint-hearted. This is... uh, Did I pull it up for you? Yeah, here it is. Hebrews chapter 12. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow... And the word there is what is translated in James? Sick or faint-hearted. Well, that's a synonym, weary or faint-hearted. Weary is our word for sick. So if you're weary, if you're faint-hearted, if you're sick, this suggests we, we move beyond sickness to weary or depressed, defeated, down, done, Let's go back. Go back to and, and look again at this. Okay, but Dax was there twice. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. Dax, sick. That's actually a different word than in verse 14. That's an even rarer word. It's only in the Bible one other place. That word for sick. And I'm, I might have gotten them confused, but... I, this one here, 2 Corinthians. Look, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Weak. When I'm sick, then I'm strong. I, I don't think that's what he means. He doesn't mean when I've got a cold, then I'm strong. <laughs> when I have the flu. When I have diabetes. No, he means when he's feeble, 
right? So this idea of feebleness, of faint-heartedness, of, of, of things there, I, I, I just think you should think about the possibility that what James is talking about is anyone among you weak, not strong. Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's weary. He'll save the one who's done, faint-hearted, not holding on to Jesus. The Lord will raise him up. That, that idea of life, the Lord's life-giving. and Oh, he'll, he'll, he, he, dead you are if you don't believe in Jesus. Life is entrusting Jesus. That, that, there it is. Remember how James started his letter? Do you remember? We started this whole letter with this chapter 1. And in chapter 1, James talks about how you're going to encounter trials and suffering, about how your life won't be what you think it's going to be. It's going to be worse. (laughs) And when you encounter suffering, James says, you rejoice. And we looked at that, and we looked at how you don't rejoice because you're suffering. You're not required as a Christian to paste on your smile when hard things happen. I'm so happy. I just am so sick. No, 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 but you rejoice for a particular reason. What do you rejoice for? You rejoice because you still believe. In the midst of hard circumstances, the most important thing about you, the only important thing that's really about you, is that you hold on to Jesus with both hands. And if you were in the midst of difficult things happening, because that's when it's hard, is when difficult things happen, as you say, no, in spite of these hard things that are happening to me, I believe. That is cause for you to rejoice. Isn't that what he's saying here? Isn't what he's saying is, hey, when you start to to not rejoice, when you start to be weary in it all, when you start to forget that the only thing that matters is Jesus, you go get on the phone. You go call some elders. What are the elders? Why them? They're the folks who are who, who are leaders, who, who, not to get your sickness gone, but to excitedly point you back to the gospel. They're the pillars of the church. They're people who can't be moved off the gospel. They're people who say, yes, I will pray for you. Well, wait a minute, Dax. Okay. I kind of get what you're saying. But it says anointing with oil. Anointing oil, right? That's some medicinal thing. The elders are supposed to give you medicine. I just want to tell you, our elders do not dispense medications. They will pray with you anytime. But medication dispensation is not what they do. They're not pharmacists. So what's the deal with the anointing oil? What is that? Well, it, it could be that James is thinking of a of a religious ritual. It could be he's thinking of a medicinal one, but there's only one other verse in the Bible where where a sick person is anointed with oil. It's in Mark 6, verse 13. There's a lot of other verses, though, where anointing oil is mentioned. Let me give you a few of them. See if you detect a hint of something that might be going on. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 9, I'll just read them. I won't put them on the board. But write them down. Check them out later. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness, speaking of Jesus. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. 
Isaiah 61, that famous passage we, we talked about last week where Jesus stood up in the synagogue and he read from Isaiah 61 to grant, grant those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness. Psalm 45, verse 7, you have loved righteousness, hated wickedness, again quoting Therefore, God has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Do you see the connection? Oil. Anointing oil. What is it connected to? It's not necessarily connected to medication. It's connected to gladness. It's connected to gladness. It's connected to being done with mourning. It's connected to encouragement. It's connected to to, to being lifted up. You and I, we get discouraged. We're ground down by the daily press of the world. Our bodies are failing. Our relationships aren't what they should be. And here we are, we're struggling. And we start to forget and we slip back. We slip back into merit-based living. We slip back into thinking, oh, if I could only drink enough green goop, I'd get better. That green goop, by the way, might be really good for you, don't. Don't take my joke as don't drink green goop. It can be really cool, cool, slimy, but we're good. But here's the thing. What we should be doing, get on the phone. Get some FaceTime with a mature believer. Elders. Men of faith who point to Jesus, who point away from the world. Not people who want to give you 14 ways to live a better life, but people who will point you back to the only life that matters. Jesus on the rock, and, and these, these mature believers, what they are dependent on Jesus, they believe, so they ask Jesus to help you. They anoint you with oil, oil of gladness instead of mourning, a refreshing of righteousness, the righteousness that you have in Jesus. Get your eyes back there, believer. Your sin will not win. Jesus is coming. And, 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 and by the way, this is how it was with the man with brain cancer who came into my clinic, and and, and who wasn't healed, every time he came in, he'd say, I can't wait for heaven. I'd say all the prayers were having an effect. I'd even say, you don't realize, you don't realize what's going on. We look at the wrong marker. I'm looking at the wrong lab. I'm not looking rightly. I think when I pray that what I'm getting prayed for is that I might get better because what I want is to get better. But getting better is actually deepening my dependence on Jesus and getting encouraged. And I'll tell you that happens all the time, all over, when you pray for people. Oh, it's, it's not meaningless. You've made it meaningless. But it's not meaningless when you say to someone, I'm praying for you. What do they do? Oh, thank you. I need it. And they are even, that statement encourages them, doesn't it? It does. It does. <coughs> Dependent child, that's what we are. We exercise and we pray and we sing. And then if we're weak, if we are weak, we get help. Help is for when you're weak. Maybe your sickness makes you weak and your eyes get off Jesus. Maybe your sin does and your eyes get off Jesus. But you go to your brothers and sisters who are mature, who hold on to the gospel, and they'll help restore you. They get you on the right track. I may actually use oil. There's nothing wrong with that. But you do see it's symbolic, right? 
We need to live to breathe every breath in the reality of what Jesus Christ has done and, and that our salvation is in him and that he is real and that he is coming again. He's coming again, right? Now, you may, you may think, okay, Dax, I get all this, but I'm, I just, I don't really, I'm, I'm never weak. I refer you back to last week. You need a dose of transparency. This is all based on transparency. We all are weak at different times. Sometimes we just don't want to admit it. But you, you will be. And it's not a feeling. It's, it's when you start to know, hey, I, I, I'm slipping here. I, I'm focusing on me. I'm focusing on that. I, I, I'm losing my joy, my salvation, the wonder of the depth of it. You need people to pray for you. James is saying, do it. Okay, so that's, that's why get prayer. Get prayer because you need it. Get prayer because we need to be reoriented. We need to be re, re, relined. We need to be reminded. We need people who will pray for us. Why, though, should I? Well, there it is. I put it up there for you. Get prayed for because you get weary and you get weak. But why do I want to pray for other people? Jesus already has them. What's the big deal? And in fact, when I pray, nothing seems to happen, Dak. So what? So let's look. Here's verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Okay. So you, you see, right? See what James is doing. He, he's saying, hey, okay, so therefore, because... Because there's this way of thinking and this way of living and this, this way of this depth of, of getting encouraged in Christ, because therefore, therefore what we need to be doing is being as transparent as we can be. Be who you are. Confess your sins to one another. By the way, that's confess your sins to one another, right? That's not go into the small box and confess to a priest. And pray for one another that you may be healed. What is he talking about? Again, I, I think we go down these wrong lines and we take healing as, as medicinal healing. We're such Western people. We think very healed. Did you, did you listen to the scripture reading this morning where Jesus basically says to these people, he says, I'm going to speak in parables. I'm not going to tell you what the truth is because you don't listen. If only you'd listen, he says. And then he quoted the quotation. If you would listen, if you would hear, then I would heal you. You think he's talking about heal you of your broken leg? He's talking about your broken heart, right? You're healed. You're out of relationship with Christ. You're broken. And, 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 and Jesus stands up. He says, I've come to proclaim the year of God's favor. It's to heal the brokenhearted. Heal the brokenhearted. How do you and I start to have health? How do we actually start to have walking rightly? I'll tell you what, it's not the healing of our physical bodies. If you haven't looked and you're getting to be my age, you are going down. You're not going up. I want to go up. Okay, I know, I could exercise and get better. I can, I could get marginally better. 
with a diet of exercise or whatever. But I will get sick. I will die. Why? My body's not made for heaven. I got one coming. I can't wait. Right? I can't wait. And I trust, and my trust is that. And, 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 and I, hey, I want to be a good steward, so I, you know, the dietary thing and the, the exercise thing and the handling your body, right? That's all true and good, but that's not what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about healing. You need healing. What do you need healing of? Your broken heart? Well, I'm not in a relationship right now. Not that kind of broken heart. Your relationship with the Lord. Your trust in Christ. The only thing that really matters, the only thing that's going to matter for your life is do you believe in Jesus? Do you trust him? Are you dependent on him? It starts to change how you act and what you do. It does. But you need that. And the problem is is that the pathway by which life comes is in community where we actually confess sins to one another. What happens when I confess a sin to you? Well, for one, I'm no longer deceiving. I'm being who I am. We've talked about this. I confess because I realize that I've been covered by the blood of Jesus. My conscience is clean, in spite of my sin. And I get from you absolution. Absolution is you reaffirm to me that Christ paid for that. There's forgiveness for sin. So, so, so we're to do that and to pray for one another. And I'll tell you, we, we forget how effective and how awesome our prayers are. It's happened here at church. Someone will come and say, hey, I'm hurting. Dad says, hey, let me pray for you. And we'll pray right now. And I pray for them. And you know what? They walk away what? More despondent than before? No. Encouraged. That's a miracle. That's a good thing. It's a good thing that our prayers have effect, and they have effect. They just don't have the effect that I want. I want to be magic man. I want to wave my magic wand and heal your disease. And God does that sometimes. Don't, don't let me... Don't let me say that he doesn't do it. He does it. Our God does amazing things and he has such mercy on us. He does. But that's not this. This is that your prayer is effective. Because God in that moment is using it to heal the brokenhearted. Heal the one who's, who's needing a word to point them back to Christ who loves them. Who's needing to hear that their sin is forgiven. That's why you confess to one another, not so we all know the dirt on each other. I'm plenty dirty enough without sharing it with you. It's because I need affirmation from the Lord through you that my sin is forgiven, just like yours. That's healing. That's the prayer of a righteous person has great powers. It's working. You say, wait a minute. James has all these statements. The prayer of a righteous person. I'm not righteous. Yeah, you're right. You know, Paul, right? In Romans chapter 3, he says, no, there's not anyone righteous. No, not one. Who's the only righteous one we know? Jesus. How am I righteous? Because of my faith in Jesus. And so by his righteousness given, I'm righteous. You are too. It actually doesn't have to do with how righteous you're acting at any moment in time. So the effective prayer of the, or the prayer of a righteous person, that's you in Christ, of a Christian. Great power as it's working. How is it working? To, to, to restore and to heal. Sometimes physically. But way more importantly and deeper, reality is in affirming and strengthening a trust in Christ. That's what we're after. Because that's what's important. 
Do you see if, if you go down this line, you avoid certain things that will, that will otherwise derail you? My prayer isn't answered because I'm not righteous enough. What are you talking about? You have the righteousness of Christ. My prayer isn't answered because I'm not faithful enough. What? Do you believe in Jesus or don't you? It's not a, it's not a, it's not a, a scale. Say, well, I'm a sinner. My, I continue to fall and I continue to have be a broken person. I, I don't know that I'm... Well, okay, let's take an example. That's what James does. Well, yeah, I just... Where's my James passage today? Here, Elijah. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed fervently that it might not rain. For three years and six months, it didn't rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. And, and we're tempted because Elijah, so Elijah, miracles happened with Elijah, says James. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah it did, but, but the key phrase that James wants you to see is, is he was, had a nature like ours. That's James saying he was fallen. He wasn't perfect, right? Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And when he prayed, amazing things happened. When you pray, amazing things can happen as well. Keep your eyes open because the amazing things that are happening are things Elijah wouldn't even have dreamed about. Personal relationship with God. Coming into the throne room right like that. Actually helping someone else realize they're covered in the righteousness of Christ. Elijah would have loved that. He didn't even get to know it. He was way before Jesus came. Elijah was a man. He got hungry. That's in 1 Kings chapter 17. He was afraid. That's in 1 Kings 19. He was depressed. Also in 1 Kings 19. Yet he prayed with, with, with earnest, open-hearted prayer. And amazing things happened. At the end of the day, the most incredible, far-reaching effect your prayer will have is to encourage and to affirm and to build up the trust of the person you're praying for to help them in the midst of their struggle and not to stop the struggle, not necessarily. They keep their eyes on Jesus. I really think that's what he means. I'm not saying it just because this is what we've experienced, but I would also say this is what you experience. You simply do not experience every ill, every sickness, every disease being taken away by God. And certainly every single one of us experiences the most dreadful disease unless Jesus comes back, which is death. It's coming for you. This is not at all to take away, not even a little bit, from the reality that our God adores us and He all the time takes care of us and He often takes away our diseases and He often does it through prayer. That's all fantastic. But when we all focus on that like laser beams and then we evaluate whether or not we've been faithful enough and whether or not we've been cured, we're missing the, the reality that it's so amazingly important and deep that you hold fast to Christ. 
And the most amazing thing is when you hold fast to Christ in the midst of difficulty. My dad, who has Parkinson's, he's never been as great a witness to me as he is right now. Not when he was building his churches that he built in Africa. He was a missionary. Not when he was a dad as a young kid and knew the Lord, but now when he can't hardly open his eyes, but he affirms with me that God is good and Jesus loves him. It's amazing. We've got other people in our body right now. They are witnesses to you of the wonder of holding on to Christ in the midst of difficulty. Don't miss how important and amazing it is. We don't live on this life. We don't live on how things are going this minute. We don't live on all the circumstances that are hard. We're amazed that in the midst of it, we hold fast to Christ. And you know what will help them? If you will pray for them. You encourage them. You will say, hey, I just want to pray to the Lord for you and just thank him for that you're holding fast. Encourage your faith. And we'll ask for healing too, temporally, because we would love to see it, right? I would love to see that for you. But the deep thing, is that. Okay. That's what we're after today. That's, I believe, what James has been after. We, we pray for other people because God uses you to heal the weak and the weary. And that weak and weary is weariness in their faith. Weakness in their holding on to Christ alone. So that's our message today from James, that you and I would step back and we would realize the prayer of faith is an amazing, powerful thing. And you'd be encouraged to seek it out, to get prayer. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of normalcy that you need someone to pray for you, to hold on to Jesus and to to hold fast to your anchor. And then you would want to pray for people because you see the power of it. You don't see it as something, well, I've prayed a hundred times for someone they didn't get well. So I'm discouraged in my prayer and I'm going to stop praying. Why pray? You're missing the point. You're missing something wonderful. You should pray all the time. Pray for somebody today. Let's pray now.